0: gospel have nicknames you may have a nickname that some friends gave you but that nickname meant something what God labels you with always comes also with a responsibility as a saint you are to live holy as an ambassador you represent Christ as a Christian you follow Christ you need to understand your different labels your names and the reason and the purpose behind those names you are a priest and what does a priest do he serves she serves because the Scripture says, you are of the royal priesthood of God. And to be in that royal priesthood is something that you should demonstrate. They had on news, Prince Harry, and the thing that he's doing with the soldiers who have been hurt, the wounded soldiers. Now, he's, next, he's not next in line for the crown. But because of who he is and because of what he represents, he takes upon a mantle to do something that is becoming quickly and growing rapidly that affects the lives of many people. Now if he can do that, knowing he most likely will not wear the crown of king because of two others before him, What should you be doing with your titles? How should you be living because of your titles? You are somebody that God chose to represent him, to live for him. I want you to do away with the thought, in a sense, that God's here to serve me. But I am here to serve him. I am here to serve him. Now people, we talked about two weeks ago, what happens when there's not a teacher? The people themselves perish. The people don't know right from wrong. People don't know how to live without good, sound teaching. Now you need to understand, Satan teaches also. Satan will teach a man how to beat up on his wife, how to cheat on his wife. Satan will teach a woman how to get back at her husband and so forth. Satan teach our children to rebel. Satan teaches us how to be angry and divides our family. We forget that Satan is the God of this world and the God of this world has a plan for us also. We forget what Jesus said to Peter. Satan desires to take you and shift you as wheat. And that's what he wanted to do to each and every one of our lives. He wanted to shift us. He wanted to get us off course of serving the Most High God. He wants to sideline us. He wants to sit us in the bleacher. He wants us to just to be spectators. Not to be doers. But spectators. The character of the priest is something that has to be built. It's something that takes time also. And we understand why they could not enter the priesthood even though they were a Levite until between 20 and 25 years old. Those were training years. Those were learning years. Those were years in which you were growing. You were a Levite, but just because you were a Levite at 10 years old doesn't mean that you stepped into the temple and started serving. You were a Levite, yes, but you were yet being prepared to serve. As many Christians sometime in our youthfulness, boy, we won't take time to be taught. We think that somehow it just comes. If I lay the table... My Bible, as somebody told me, they left their Bible at home, and somehow it just sits there. But every time they walk past it, sometimes it just jumps into them, mostly, It just comes. No, you've got to pick it up, open it up, and you've got to start reading it. And even as you read it, you've got to pray for understanding and wisdom as you read it. Just walking by it and just say, oh, I own a Bible. Well, a lot of folks own a Bible. The thing is, is this. How does that Bible get into you? How does that Bible get into you? Get into your heart? If God wants to use you as a priest, that Bible got to get into you. That word of God got to get into you. And it has to become a main focus in your life that I'm going to know the word. I'm going to know the word. I'm going I'm to know the word. The worst thing you can do is just come listen to Pastor Brown. That doesn't do you any good. But it's getting that word from the written page into your own heart and gaining some understanding of it. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Just to show you just a little bit about the Levite. And something he had to give up because, see, as Christians, we struggle with this, giving up things. Especially giving up our loved ones. Giving up our loved ones can be very painful for us. But yet it's one of those requirements if you're going to really love and serve the Lord. And understand this. When you fall in love with God and you serve God, you'll love your mom and dad with a deeper heart. When you really put Christ first in your life, all these other things are put in their proper priorities, their proper levels. Even that wife and husband you can't stand, you begin to love them with the love of Christ because you're allowing Christ now to love through you. Even those rebellious children that's all over the place, you begin to love them differently. You see them differently because you got Christ in the right perspective. He's in his rightful place that he can minister to you that you can minister to them. He begins to change things around. But when you set Christ in second place or third place, then your whole life is in shambles and things are out of order. So he demands of the Levites in a sense that they got to get God first. They got to be willing to do this first above anything else. So in Deuteronomy, he picks up and he says in verse 8 in 33, chapter 33, he says, About Levi, he says, the Thumblings and your they're the same thing. Just two different ways of saying it. It's just a vase where the sticks where the lots would be drawn out of. That's all that is. Thummins. Just where you had the sticks at. And he says the Urim. Same thing. Just He just repeats it. Belong to the man you favor. You test him at Massa, and contended with him at the waters of Meribah. You did those. And then he says, He said at Meribah, he said of his father and mother, I have no regrets for them. No regards, I'm sorry, no regards for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children. Now, now, now look what he's saying. He said, He said of his father and mother, I have no regard of them. Is he saying I don't love my mom or dad? No, not saying that. But as a priest, he has a duty that takes priority over mom and dad. He had a duty to perform. And that's what comes first. And the whole process is that you serve God first. And he simply says, He said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers. Brothers have a place, but they cannot be before who? Before God. Or oh, the work that God has called you to. Not that you don't love your brothers, you don't recognize them, but you do not put them over the things of God. God has to be first in everything. He has to be preeminent in everything in your life. If something else squeezes in there, you're going to cause your own problems, your own trouble. And you're not going to be able to function as a priest or a real believer in Christ. Because you allow something else to sneak in and begin to snuff it out, that real relationship between you and God. And he simply says, boy, when you go back to Massa, it's the same word for both Massa and Mirabah. It's the same place where the people of Israel begin to grumble and fight against God. They begin to argue with God. And it put a wedge between them and God. Because of their complaining and their grumbling. Go to Exodus seventeen seven. Exodus 17. And it says, And he called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord with us or not? And they begin to just complain and constantly criticize about the things of God. Now, the priests were the ones who had to come in and settle some of that down. But here are the people. They're murmuring. They're complaining. And they're constantly at it. Go over to Psalms 95. Psalms 95. Go to verses 8 and 9. He says, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, that when you minister to people, understand something. They're either going to have a heart that's open to the word of God or they're going to have a heart that is what? Hardened towards the things of God. It's one or the other that the heart is either open or is hardened. But yet as a priest, you still have to serve. And you have to serve with kindness. You have to serve with compassion. You have to be willing to reach out. And he says, today if you... Hear his voice. Do not harden your heart as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. People have seen God at work. People doing these floods. And during these crises, they have seen God in a different way. The question will be this, will you hear Him? Will you hear Him? Crisis in our family time, going through the storm, is when God often will speak, but will you hear? Will you hear? Will you hear? And go back with me now, Deuteronomy 33, because, yeah, you're asked now to do something. To leave mom and dad, in a sense, not regarding brothers or family. And catch the last one here. Or acknowledge his own children. Did he disown his children? No. But children cannot get in the way of you serving the Lord. Children cannot get in your way of serving the Lord. So the Lord is saying three things here. That are very close to the Levite's heart. Father and mother, brother or family members, and then children, his own. Now what we got to discover is this. Why and for what purpose do they take second place? For what purpose do they take second place? He says in that verse 9, He said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brother or acknowledge his own children. But he watched over your word. He watched over your word. That the word of God is more important than any family relationship. And you need to understand It is the word of God at times that will even divide a family. Because you want to do the will of God, and somebody else is saying, no. But you want to walk with God, and somebody else is saying, no, let's walk this way. You're trying to grow closer to Christ, and somebody else is trying to pull you away from Christ. And oftentimes that happens even within the family. And you've got to come to a place of who will be first in your life. And God dealt with that with the Levites as priests very early. Mom and dad is important, yes, because it would go totally against what scripture teaches us to honor our fathers and our mothers. He's not saying, don't regard or recognize your brother. And when you see that relationship between Jesus Christ and his brother, if he followed his brother's advice, he may not have never went to the cross. He would have been sidetracked. But your focus got to be on pleasing God. And the Levites were appointed as priests to guard the word of God and the covenant of God and to care for the temple of God, the sanctuary of God and to minister to the people and to teach the people. And you are a priest and you should care for the of God, or the sanctuary of God, or the church of God. The temple is your body, that's where God dwells. The church, you are not the church, you are the temple. The church are the called out ones, the assembled ones. And we assemble together and that is the church. It's in our meeting that we are the church and we function like the church. For where God dwells at is in my temple. Right in here. Right here. And he says, They were to watch over your word and guard your covenant. That's the job of the priest. Could not put anything else before it. That's what came first. That they guarded the word of God and the covenant of God. And then he goes a little further. He says, "He teaches your precepts. He teaches your precepts, not his. Not his." God's precepts are what are taught. God's standards are what are taught. Not his own. It's not about how he feels. Or really what he thinks. It's about what God says. And doing that. And he says he teaches. Now in order to teach, you got yourself be what? A student. You have to learn. Learn. You have to learn. You can't teach your children what you yourself have not been taught. And oftentimes it's strange. Especially when you put children in an environment where they're learning the things of God. But then you yourself are not what? Are not learning them. And all of a sudden there's a reverse role that takes place. The children become the teacher to the parent rather than the parent being the teacher of the children. And children who come to church without their parents will usually start going back home telling their parents what they're learning at church and the parents have no idea of what they're talking about. And he says, you are to be teachers. And a priest should be able to teach. And teach What? The precepts. Now he uses it twice again. He uses the word Jacob and Israel. He teaches your people, your precepts to Jacob and your law to Israel. Israel and Jacob's the same, Israel. He offers incense before you, and who burnt offerings on your altar. Bless all his skills. He's more than just skillful in what? In the word. King James and the mother translation Bless the Levites. Bless the Levites. Here it is, bless the skills. Because he's doing more than one thing. He's doing more than one thing. God created you to do more than just one thing. Because once you learn the word, you got to be a person who's willing to do the word. But you got to be willing to put yourself in different situations, different areas of life, in order that you might perform the word and be used of God. And he says, Bless him with all his skills or all his endeavors and all that he does. Bless the Levites. And he says, Bless all his skills, O Lord. And be pleased with the works of his hands. The works that he does. Be pleased with it. Be pleased with it. Whatever he's doing with these hands, be pleased with him, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your what? All your heart, all your might, as unto the Lord. Do it! Whatever these hands find, trying to do. You do it for His glory. You do it for His praise. You do it for Him. And when you do and you live that way, God blesses. God blesses. And He says, bless those Levites. Bless their skills. Bless their work. Now, listen here, because see, this is something the Levite, that even with God... If you are really serving God, you don't have time to fight your enemy. If you're really serving God, you don't have to fight your enemy. Remember what scripture says, if God before me, who can be what? Yeah, because God don't want you fighting the enemy over here when he got something for you to do here. What's more important is here. And you trust God then to keep the enemy, what? Obey. You believe God that he'll fight your what? Your battles. Why? You're focused on him. If you stay focused on him and doing what he has assigned you to do, God then fights the battle. And that's hard for us to adjust to. Because Satan says, you got to take care of you. And God says, no, you're my responsibility. I'll take care of you. You don't have to fight those battles. Why? You lose focus in serving God. So listen to what he says. He says, smite the loins of those who rise up against him. Lord, you fight his battle. Those who come up against your priests... You fight their battles. Why? They gotta be watchmen over your word and over your covenant and over your temple, over your sanctuary. They ain't got time. That's why a Levite could not go out to war. That didn't mean he didn't travel with the army, because when he traveled with the army, he still did the teaching. He was still keeping the covenants of God. And ministering to the people, but he could not engage in the battle. And there's a lot of things in church and in this world today that you could leave this pulpit from and start preaching about it. Charlieville, we can start preaching about that. All life matters, so we can start preaching about that. Unjustice, Un, we can start preaching about that. There's a lot of things that we can start preaching about, but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to preach God's Word and guard His Word and guard His covenant. And Satan will get us running down the rapid trail. And God's Word is here, and what God wants us to do is here, and we're way over here somewhere. And he says, smite the loins of those who rise up against him. Strike his foes till they rise no more. Why? God has called him not to fight his own personal battles, but to be a guard over his word and his covenant. And you are to be a guard a guard over God's word and God's covenant. Why? You are his royal priesthood. You are his royal priesthood. And that means you may have to go against mom and dad. But what are you going going against them on? The word of God. You're not doing it out of rebellion. You're doing it because this is what the word of God says. You're not against your brother or sister. But you're going to stand on God's word. And you're going to share God's word. You need to understand that God has called you to separate yourself in a sense from everything else. But his word and his covenant with you. And the relationship he wants to have with you. And when you have that relationship with him then God becomes responsible for putting everything else in its proper order. And that's important to be able to recognize. Now, go to Ezra chapter 7. just want to bring out a few more characteristics about this person, the priest. We take our Christianity... Oftentimes for granted. And we are a people that what Scripture says, when it says, do not neg- neglect so great a salvation. We neglect the privileges that we have as being the children of God, we neglect the responsibility that God has placed upon our shoulders. We neglect being all that God has called us to be in Him. And people have to be reminded. Now Ezra, this book is dealing with somewhere between 500 to 800 years of history. With the Jewish people being in captivity. We know the temple really had not been used for almost 500 years now. And it's in ruins. It's in decay. And I was searching around trying to find out a little bit more about this person, Ezra. And some say that there's two different Ezras. Both living at the same time. Then others it down as just the one Ezra. Both were priests. Both went back to Jerusalem. I believe there's only one. It describes him as a teacher. But Ezra has to go before the king. Art Azaris, and asked him if he can go back to Jerusalem, and here comes the wisdom of Israel, he knew he couldn't do the job by himself, that he asked him, could he take some of his fellow citizens back with him? And the king was so moved by the hand of God being upon him, that he says yes. And provides everything that he has need of. When you are a priest of God, and you're doing God's will, and you are in the midst of doing God's work, God, in his miraculous way, will provide all that you have need of. He'll do it. And it will shock you every time, because you think at some point as Christians, we would recognize God is able to work. But every time God does a new thing, we go, Ha! Ooh! Ha! No, that's my God at work! But somehow... We miss it that he did it over here, and he did it here, and he did it there, and now when he's doing it here, oh, no, that's just my God. That's how my God works. That's what my God does on my behalf. My God is just doing and fulfilling his responsibility towards his servant, towards his saint, towards his royal priesthood. He's just doing what he promised he would do. So, pick up with me in chapter 7. Pick up in verse 6. This Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher. Look how it describes him. He was a teacher. He was a teacher. A teacher is someone who just loves to teach. I think today in teaching we're hiring hiring professionals who don't love to do what they really are being paid to do. They do it because of the money. Uh, what's that? What's that movie we watch, Elaine, um, with the girl who wants to be a teacher, uh, and uh, and the Green Gables, Gables or Greens or something, you know. And, and the Green Gables. And this young girl wants to teach. She's teaching when there's nobody to teach. But she wants to teach. And she starts teaching around about 16, 17 years old. And she's teaching in a private school. But she loved to teach. Wasn't making much money. Because the thing was not about money. It was about what? Teaching. And she loved to teach. That's a little bit about what preaching is. It's not about money. It's about teaching. It's not about how much you get paid every time you witness. It's about that you love to teach someone. You love to share with someone. And you are a teacher. Nowhere in the Bible does it separate the church and clergy and laity. Nowhere does it separate. You are as much of a pastor and teacher and preacher as I am. That's what you're called to do as a priest. In the legal matters of our society, there is that separation. There are some papers you cannot sign because you are not this. That's in the legal process. But in the biblical process, in God's process, you are much of a clergy or pastor or preacher that I am only thing you have to be willing to do is apply yourself. See for Pearl to go around and teach young ladies about marriage she don't need no REV in front of her name. She don't need elder in front of her name. She don't need bishop in front of her name. She don't need a title. She already has one. She's a saint. She's an ambassador. She is called of the Lord to do what she's doing. Don't need a title. Hey. When you need a title, it's about you. And not about him. I could care less if you never called me pastor, preacher, reverend, or anything. As long as you listen to me. As long as you listen to me and give me the privilege of speaking to you. Because it's not about the title. It's about what the Lord wants to say. And he says Ezra was a teacher. A teacher. And he says it a couple of times in this text. He was a teacher. Now catch the second thing. He wasn't one of them lazy teachers that just come off the top of his head. It says he was well versed. He was well versed in the laws of God. He was a student of the law. He studied the law. He studied to show himself approved, rightly dividing the word of God. He studied it. Now you're in captivity. And yet you're still studying. You're in captivity. You're not functioning in a temple, but you're still studying. He was a teacher who was well versed in the Word of God, and he was a scribe or a copier of the Word of God. He was one who was writing down the Word of God. He was not one just reading, but he was also writing. And it says... He was a teacher, well-versed in the laws of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he asked for. The hand of the Lord, his God, was on him. When God wants you to do something, he will provide it even from your enemy. He will allow your enemy to be a blessing to you that you can carry out the will of God. You have to be the one that's willing to do. And if you're willing to do, then God will provide. And he goes on and he says, in verse 7, Some of the Israelites, including priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants, also came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King, Art Artaxerxes, all these came along. Why? He was going to restore the worship service in Israel. He's going to restore the teaching in Jerusalem. He's going to restore it. Now, he also tells us how bad it was. Because the Israelites were marrying heathen women the Israelites were hearing false teaching that was coming from their heathenistic wives. And knowing that God hates divorce, yet Ezra says, this has to stop! And you have to separate. But when you don't have teaching, you'll live wrongly. When you don't have teaching, you'll accept Anything. When you don't have teaching, your whole life will be messed up. And what he found was a messed up temple and a messed up people. Because there was no teaching of the word of God. He says, Ezra arrived in Jerusalem, in verse 8. And in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king, he had began his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month. It took four to five months. And it says on him. For Ezra, look at his character again. It is strange sometimes when the Holy Spirit drops the word in. Now the, whole, the Holy Spirit already then told us. He was a teacher. He's already told us he's well versed in the law, and in the word. But look what he's going to say, that I think has a much deeper meaning than just being the teacher and well versed in it. See, you can quote all kind of verses. You can know chapter upon chapter. And you can know all the theories. And you can have knowledge of all that and well versed in it. The thing is is this, are you living it? Are you living it? James said, don't be just a hearer of the word, but put it in the practice and what? Do it! It's not good enough just to have knowledge and don't know how to use the knowledge. You want to practice in everyday life what you know of God's word. And then you want to find that you are changing because if any man is in Christ, he becomes a new creature. In other words, his behavior and what has happened on the inside begins to do what? Come to the outside, that he's acting differently, living differently, and has rearranged his order of life. And you can see what really comes first. You can see that nothing takes the place of God. You can see it with your own eyes what God is doing in their life. So he uses a different word here rather than just well versed. he says, "Boy, for Ezra had devoted himself to the study, devoted isn't that a little giving us a little bit more insight? He purposely driven himself to get into God's Word. Are you driven to get into God's Word? Are you devoted in getting into God's Word? Are, do you purposely open up that Bible and search it out? Do you purposely get on your knees and pray, God, give me insight... Are you purposely searching out other writers to get further and deeper understanding of the Word? He said he was devoted at this, of searching out God's Word. He was devoted in it, studying it, desiring it. But he said something else here too about him now, that boy, we need to really take note of here, because he says, He he was devoted. He devoted himself to the study. But look at what else? Observance of the law. He watched over whose life? His own life. He watched over his own life that after he'd done all this studying, remember what Paul says that he would not be a castaway himself? but he brought his own body under control, at least he would be a castaway. How many of you watch over your life that you will not be a castaway? You have the knowledge, you have this, and you can quote this, and you can quote that. But are you really observant of your own life to see what God's doing in it and how you're living it? Are you really watching over yourself and observing what God is doing with you? Because the Word of God that is in you? Observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching. Its decrees and laws in Israel. He was not one who just studied and told other people, you need to do this or you need to do that. Turn very quickly over to Romans chapter 2 and go to verse 21. He says, you then who teaches others, do you not teach yourself? If you're teaching others about the law and you're teaching what others should observe and you're teaching what others should do, the question is, is this, are you doing it? Are you doing it? For what you are teaching others, you should be what? Doing. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Or are you watching over your own life also? Are you observing your own temperament? Are you observing the words that come out of your mouth? Are you observing your own anger? Are you watching over your kindness are you watching yourself to see if you're in obedience with God's word? Are you observing yourself? And it says, boy, the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. This is a copy of the letter King gave to him with the permission, Art gave him this writ, like a passport that said, "You can go here and there and there." And he went. And he taught. And he began, as the Scripture says, to put things back in his proper order. Without teaching, were out of order. With teaching, it helps us to put things in their proper order. That we might serve the Lord in a manner in which he has called us. It becomes your character. It becomes who you are. And you recognize you are a priest. One who serves God. One who teaches others. One who observes the things of his own life. And the life of others. That you are one who intercedes between God and man. And you're always ready to do God's bidding. You're ready. Look at the last verse here. Go to verse 25. And it says, And you, Ezra, in accordance with the wisdom of your God, which you possess, appointed magistrates and judges to administer justice to all the people. Look what he did. All because he was one who studied what? God's word. One because he observed God's word and he was devoted to it. Look how God used him To touch lives. And then in verse 26 he says, Whoever does not obey the law of your God and the law of the king must surely be punished by death, banishment, confiscation of property, or imprisonment. And what he is basically saying here is this. When you don't hear God's word and you don't obey God's word, you lose. You lose. Look at the things you can lose all because you don't obey it. You can lose. For the Christian, you can't lose. Why? The one who gave it to you from the very beginning has the ability to do what? <laughs> give it right back to you. Isn't it amazing God can take it today, but give you more tomorrow? Isn't it amazing that as Christians you begin to see all this stuff as temporal things? They're only here for a moment, and then they're gone? And God has allowed you to use them. I had to pray myself, Lord, if I was one of those people in Florida or in Texas that lost everything, would I have the same attitude? Would you have the same attitude towards God if you've lost it all? Would you have the same attitude if you went back to your home And it's just all on the ground. You went back there just to try to find a picture. Something of value. Something of meaning. And all it was was rebel. What would be your attitude towards God? Hey would you say thank you Lord for the privilege that you allow me to enjoy these things now Lord what do you want me to do because see in the midst of all this there's still ministry that has to go on in the midst of all of this there's still teaching now that has to go on in the midst of all of this there are people who need to have hope in God and Ezra went back and he found Jerusalem much in the same shape that if you were to visit parts of Florida or Texas they would be in ruins and Ezra went back and he saw what he loved in ruins but where did he start at teaching teaching Teaching. And when you find a messed up life, you have to start with what? Teaching. That old saying is true. If they knew better, they would do better. But first you've got to ask, do they really know better? Have they been taught in order to do better? Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for the privilege of being your teachers of being your priests, of being the people who guard your word, no matter what goes on in our society. Our first position and our first job, our first responsibility is to guard the high standard of your word.